When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm quite impressed with all of these books and how many boxes they're ticking for my own personal criteria. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Okay. Literally the dream team here. <laughs> and welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. With me, I have my new friends, Emma and Joe. Hi, Emma and Joe. Hi, Jill. Hi, Joe. Hi, Jill. Hi, Emma. Yay. Hi, friends. <laughs> I almost said hi, Emma, which would have been really smart. Would have loved that. It's fine. It's fine. It works. I'm, I'm having more coffee. We'll get there. <laughs> um, this is our February books pick episode. So if people are new to the podcast, we do this monthly where we go through and talk about all of the books coming out next month that we're excited to read. Um, luckily, you no longer have to hear only my book picks, which you've had to hear for the past like four months. Actually, if there are new voices on here, which is very exciting. Um, before we get into the books, because I forgot this last time, all of our social media fun stuff, you can um, get a hold of us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Um, all right, so we have a lot of books. I'm very excited for all of these. So Emma, why don't you kick us off with your first pick for February books? Yay, thank you. I'm going to kick us off with a book that probably needs no additional publicity, but we're going to give it some airtime anyways. Uh, my first pick is House of Sky and Breath by Sarah J. Moss. It is the second book in the Crescent City series. Um, We've been waiting, I mean we, I've been waiting for about a year for this book to come out, which I know is not nearly as long as people that read it when it first came out in 2020. Um, But this is the sequel to um, the first book. Again, the first book was called House of Earth and Blood. I should know, it's my favorite book. You guys, we're really having a great morning. Jill's laughing hysterically at me. It's fine. But anyways, this book follows Bryce and Hunt, uh, picks up where we left off in the first book. And I remember when this book description came out, two different descriptions for this book came out and were published on different um, like booksellers. So I don't quite know which one you want to go with. I'm going with the one uh, that mentions that they're going to keep things platonic with their relationship until the solstice, which sounds insane. Um, It was a rather slow burn kind of a romance in the first book. So um, I'm interested to see if they really do keep things platonic in book two. Let's hope not. Um, But basically, I'm sure there'll be tension between those two. There's also a rebel movement without going too spoilery if you haven't read the first book. Um, are we going to see them join the movement uh, or are we going to see them kind of sit on the sidelines? I think if you've read a Sarah J. Moss book, you know the answer to that. 
Um, but anyways, like this needs no further talking about really. It's going to be great. There's going to be romance. There's going to be action. Um, there's exclusive editions left and right. So I'm sure there'll be extra like bonus scenes and chapters and all the things. Um, I have placed this on hold at my local library and I've also pre-ordered not one, not two, not three, but four different print editions. Um, so once this is out, get ready to hear about it in full once I've read it. Um, but we are very, very excited for this release on February 15th. If you're a fan of Sarah J Moss, let me know. <laughs> four different print editions? Yes, because <laughs> one of them is signed. Okay. They all have different bonus scenes because great sales tactic. Um, sure. At Barnes and Noble and Books a Million, etc., I'll have a different exclusive scene, um, and then you get an edition of it by buying a ticket to her virtual tour event, which I did. Um, okay. So we're doing all the things, and if none of my print copies arrive exactly on the fifteenth, I have it on hold at my local library, which will hopefully you... fulfill immediately. <laughs> You've got like every contingency plan in place. I really do. And this sounds like all of my friends who love Sarah J. Moss's works, they are like feral for the next book to come out. So this sounds right to me. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you're a Sarah J. Moss fan, I don't think this is a unique response, (laughs) but it's a little over the top for like a normal. (laughs) But you know what? We're going with it. It's 2022. We like what we like. I mean, I'm pumped about Sarah J. Moss. I love that. I talked way too much about Barbies in our last episode. So, you know, I have no shame when it comes to ordering, buying, filling your life full of exactly what you want. <laughs> I support. And you know what? We love, we love books in all, in all mediums. So obviously we're a digital company. We love eBooks. We love audiobooks. but I love a print book. I just want people to read whatever they want to read. In all the formats. See, you have options. When you have different formats, you have options. And Jill's like, we're already off on a tangent. Who would like to talk about their February book? <laughs> Jill, Joe, we're going no. to gonna have to edit. <laughs> I'll probably just leave it all in because it's hysterical. Um, I'll go next just because I have one that I think we're all very excited about. And so I'll just get that one out of the way. And, um, that is black cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Uh, yeah, I think we all have this on our list. We're thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah. We're pumped for this one. So this takes place in present day, California and Eleanor Bennett's death leaves behind a puzzling inheritance for her two children, Byron and Benny, a traditional Caribbean black cake made from a family recipe with a long history and a voice recording. In her message, Eleanor shares a tumultuous story about a headstrong young swimmer who escapes her island home under suspicion of murder. The heartbreaking tale Eleanor unfolds, the secrets she still holds back, and the mystery of a long-lost child challenge everything the siblings thought they knew about their lineage and themselves. Okay. I mean, you have, like, siblings uh dealing with the death of a parent and then like secrets that come out after the death of the parent what's not to love about everything happening here we love like a family saga drama sure do type of story and it looks on top so of good all, 
it looks so good. And on top of all of that, the brothers have like conflict. They're no longer as close as they once were. So it's not just mom's unloading some drama right at the end. She's also forcing yeah. them back together. Oof. It's true. So good. Yeah. Strange siblings have to set aside their differences. It's mm. And always, because I just like the visual, the cover on this book is so pretty. It's like colorful and eye-catching. And I know they're like, don't judge a book by its cover, but come on. It's beautiful. No, we it's- full on judge books. By- <laughs> I mean, you know what? Judge is not the right word. Judge makes it sound like you it's a negative. Appreciate. Right. Appreciate. appreciate. Yeah, exactly. We appreciate covers on we this appreciate podcast. appreciate a good cover. I feel like it's art that I would hang on any of the walls in my house for it sure. Is. It's it's really pretty and it looks almost like there's texture to it. And it, it, like it looks it looks like paint. Um like it's been painted on and there's texture to it, which is I always love when they're able to do that on a flat surface, like make it look like there's more to it. So yeah. Well, Maybe we can all, we should do like a little, we could do like a little book club. We can all read book it. Club. We could yes. do a podcast book club. <laughs> ah, so Joe, what do you got for uh, us? All right. So I'm going to dive in with a YA fantasy sci-fi title. Uh, this one is called Only a Monster and it is by Vanessa Len. This is her debut title and it is being released on February 22nd. So in this title, monsters exist and they look just like us. And kind of the most important thing that our main character, Joan, can't forget is the rule. Don't forget the rule. No one can know what you are, what we are. You must never tell anyone about monsters. So Joan's just learned that her and her family are monsters who have horrifying secret powers. At the same time she's learning this, she's also learning that the cute boy at work that she's crushing on isn't just a boy, but a legendary monster slayer, of course, who would do anything to slay her family. So for Joan to save herself and her family, she's going to have to do what she fears most, embrace being a monster. So I'm super excited for this one because uh, the closing quote on the description is so movie trailer. Uh, it's because in this story, she's not the hero. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but I love it. So we've got like potential love entanglements. We've got an anti-hero perspective. And yeah, we have to take our, you know, our kind of like preconceived notions with a grain of salt. We have to see how this main character who's a monster is living and are they hurting people? Should they be slayed? What's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> Only a monster. That so sounds good. so good. I'm sitting here just like nodding along, <laughs> knowing that nodding is not helpful for a podcast. <laughs> I know. I was just looking at both of you and you're like, oh, oh the, the dramatic so head movements. <laughs> We'll have to get better at verbally articulating. <laughs> yes, that sounds great. We'll get there. We'll get there. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Emma, I what you got? do my next pick. Um, the second book I'm really excited about for February is The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. Um, apologies, my voice sounds like this. Uh, <laughs> this book is out February 22nd. And I love this, that this immediately was described to me as, um, like, only murders in the building. So if you saw that show um, on Hulu, all of those vibes. 
um, this <laughs> said, as you patiently await season two of that, read The Paris Apartment. Um, so this is a locked room mystery. Um, I do love a good mystery, and it's been a while since one has, I think, piqued my interest as much, um, since I think it's hard with thrillers to find something truly unique um, with your storytelling. But this follows Jess, who needs a fresh start. Um, she's broke and single and has to leave her job under, you know, less than ideal circumstances. And so she decides to go and stay with her half-brother, Ben, in Paris, because obviously Paris makes everything better, especially when you're kind of down and out on your luck. So she shows up to Paris, um, to Ben's apartment, and he's not there. And she doesn't know where he is, can't find him. The longer he stays missing, um, she has to start to dig into his life and um, his neighbors and all kind of chaos ensues. And I love that this book describes the neighbors. They're like an eclectic bunch and they're all in a single family. So you have this whole family that kind of like lives in all these different apartments in this Par Parisian building. They all have their own secrets. Um, you know, her brother, half brother's missing. And so like, you're just digging into all of these things um, and stuff gets crazy. So I don't know the, the description of this book as well. It's funny. It has like the socialite neighbor. There's a nice neighbor. There's the alcoholic you know, there's the concierge of the building. So you have all these players. Um, and I love that. Everyone is, you know, a suspect. Everyone has something going on. Um, and it just sounds like all of the things I like in a mystery, um, all in one. And I'm getting like only murders in the building vibes. We're getting a little bit of the breakfast club vibes where you list out people <laughs> by their one personality trait. Um, and we love when everyone is a suspect locked in a building. Um, so Lucy Foley's The Paris Apartment, February 22nd. Check it out if this sounds like it's something you'd enjoy. It's winter, so I also really like a thriller in the winter. No idea why. Yeah, I love a superlative mystery thriller novel in the winter. Uh, that was also on my list of just one of the ones that was like, Ooh, can I talk about this? And I saw Emma was going to, and I'm, I'm pumped for this one. It just sounds fun, which yeah. it's been a while since I've had like a fun thriller kind of hit me like that. So looking forward to it. And again, cause I will be that person, the cover it's like a pretty Parisian building with hot pink text. And I just like the juxtaposition of the dark, like, mysteriously Parisian building and like bright pink. So I got to give credit to that cover designer. <laughs> we, we love, I mean, only murders in the building is so like, I'm all for any book that is comped to only murders in the building. Cause it's Same. And hopefully this will tide us over <laughs> while hopefully. we wait for season two. Hopefully fingers crossed. I won. <laughs> well, I was going to say like my one thing about, I love, I'm just going to be like an only murders in the building thing now, but, um, I loved it. Everything was delightful. My one, it's like the smallest little quibble, but it, you know, like when you're watching it, they do the cold open and then they do the title screen and the title screen makes it look like it's a podcast episode. Like they're listening on 
you know, like on some kind of audio thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. The time does not match up. All I want them to do <laughs> is have the time length that they show be the ep- like the length of the episode and have the time marker where it is after the cold open. That's all See, they had to do. They change it every time. Know. Yeah. It, it's changed yeah. every time. It is not static, but it is not it is, accurate. That's so funny. Cause I, I mean, I did not notice that, but I will. Know. I did. <laughs> It's also not even too much to ask for. Like, just, just please. It's like, but like a show that puts so much detail into things. Into I mean, everything. You saw those apartments. That's true. You can't, but you I can't remember check checking, a title card. You can't check a title card. And I could be wrong. I, I checked a couple of them. Maybe there are ones that did that. But I am like, this is so small. This is just like the smallest little thing. But it would be so cool if you did this. And you, it would be like a little Easter egg. And you didn't. All I right, still Hulu. Take note. Take there you note, go. Hulu. Was it Hulu yeah. or Netflix? I don't Hulu. remember. I think it's Hulu. 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 Yeah. Podcast, me... Podcasters around the world will notice these things. Maybe that's why I noticed. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm like, how do you not match that up? I don't understand. Like, it would have been so obvious there. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. We'll just Hulu. have to hop on the horn with Mr. Hulu himself and launch a formal complaint. <laughs> there you go. We'll do that. Um, my next book is Wish You Were Gone by Kieran Scott. This also comes out February 22nd. There are a lot of books coming out on February 22nd. And I got to say, having a pub date of 22222 is, that's pretty sweet. So <laughs> um, this is about Emma. Emma Walsh has, fi- not this Emma, different Emma, obviously. Not our Emma. <laughs> Emma Walsh has finally worked up the courage to confront her husband, James, about his drinking, his alcoholic rages, his blackouts, and the fear his behavior has created for her and their two kids. But James never shows up to beat her as plans, and all her righteous words go unsaid. And unsaid they remain, because the next time Emma sees James, his body lies crumpled amidst the wreckage of his flashy car, which has been smashed to its final resting place halfway through the back wall of their suburban house's roomy garage. In the aftermath of the fatal crash, Emma and her teenage children begin to embrace life without James's looming volcanic presence. Buoyed by the support of her two closest friends, she struggles to deal with her grief, complicated by the knowledge that her husband's legacy is an up as an upstanding business owner and family man shines only because so many people for so long were so willing to keep his secrets secrets that twist into new and unexpected shapes as the mysterious details of his last day of life come to light. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I know your faces say it all. That's a lot. And that's freaking a a roller coaster. A little bit because my son's name is James. And I know like that's such a common name, but like you know Emma and James Emma and, and one James. description. Sorry. It's, it's like hitting a little close. A little close like, Wait, there. no. This is a vibe. Yeah. We're fine. <laughs> it it yeah. Yeah. It sounds really gripping though. It does. It does. Um I love a secrets revealed that kind of like um pillar to killer or like this person just has this wonderful reputation and we're gonna see that finally come to light I I don't know there's something about like justice in that way that's that speaks to me and I think what I like about this you know is that we've had a sort of a trend of relationships where um it's sort of a tumultuous relationship between the husband and wife and the husband is sort of or the wife is sort of set up as 
an unreliable, not that this is an unreliable narrator, but it reminds me of those other books where it's an unreliable narrator and the husband is still alive at the end. And that's when you're sort of like, oh, you weren't to be trusted. And this, he's like gone from the beginning. And so it's all coming to light after that, which I think is, it feels refreshing um, to sort of know from the beginning that the husband is sort of not great and the one to kind of be on the lookout for versus it being some like twist at the end so instead the twist is like what are these secrets that he's hiding so yeah I'm excited for that one like we without doing tons of preparation and coordination that sounds shockingly similar to one of my picks. <laughs> so we we all like what we like that's what I'm gonna say and all of our tastes are oddly parallel to one another. Which was, I think, interesting because they're very similar, but they're not the same books. We're not it, picking the same books. We are not. And there's a lot of difference, I think, also. Like, I think we like we have similarities in taste, but there's also definitely things that we all kind of picked that are different from everybody else's. It's a good, it's a good mix. It's a good mix. Totally. But following like in a somehow perfect segue to go from mystery and apartment building to death in a car crash, I'm a, I'm going to go uh, true crime right here with my next title, which is When a Killer Calls by John Douglas and Mark Olshaker. It's coming out bright and early February 1st. And John and Mark are the authors of Mindhunter, which you might have read or watched on Netflix. But John Douglas is a legendary FBI criminal profiler. I'm not going to go too much into his background because you most likely already know him. And he inspired like two or three different characters on Criminal Minds. Uh, so you, you've got an idea. <laughs> but When a Killer Calls dives into the cr- mind and crimes of Larry Jean Bell, one of the most dangerous serial killers Douglas ever confronted. So Bell tormented his victims with repeated calls, Um, that were also taunting, and then he would abduct them. And as his pattern evolved, Douglas had to work to anticipate his next move before he could kill again. So it's one of Douglas's most haunting investigations. And this case kind of details how eerily accurate the profile was that Douglas created about this serial killer. So it's also kind of alongside his crafted and stage managed manipulation of the killer psychology combined with dedicated work, cutting edge forensic science to end a reign of terror. So it kind of looks at a few different families And yeah, like I said, truly it's criminal minds in real life. I love true crime. And I think what I might be most interested to see here is how he kind of respects the memory of the victims at the same time that he is telling the story of how he worked to apprehend this serial killer. I'm just sitting here like, oh, I can't wait to read this book. It sounds incredible. Right. I I feel like Mindhunter, when it hit Netflix, gripped me so hard. And then I read the book after, which I hate to be the one to say that, that I watched the show first. But, you know, sometimes anything can be a gateway into books. We got to embrace that. And I love when you can just take like such a focused look at one case. You know, it would be great, sure, to read about like John Douglas as a whole, but I'd rather like I don't mind it becoming kind of serialized here, which ironic. 
But I also like what you said about how it's done with care, because obviously I think with true crime, it's really easy to not have it fully sink in that these are real people and real families. Right. I just think there's that, that sort of element of like disconnect. Um, but I think the way that, I mean, in his first book, when he describes things, it's, it's done, it's done very like eloquently and I think delicately with the sort of respect that you need with these yes. true crime stories. That's what I'm hoping continues in this one. Uh, because, right, these are these are people at the end of the day, and I always want my true crime stories to be presented that way as opposed to, I'm in love with, you know, Ted Bundy or whoever. So, yeah. I agree. It's my, yeah. my next pick. <laughs> no, I think your, your reference, I think sort of like more to the, sort of to, Wow, I can't talk right now. It's okay. It's Wednesday when we're recording. Middle of the week. We're really struggling today. (laughs) To add on to what you have both said, you mentioned that his character or his, um, he inspired two characters on Criminal Minds, which I love. Um, But I think Criminal Minds, you know, because of the format of the show, you get like one killer each episode and it's somewhat sensationalized because you only have those 45 minutes. You don't even have that long sometimes with who that killer is. So really? I, I do like that um, in in Mindhunter and, and his books, it is definitely more um, getting to know more of the full story as much as possible and kind of understanding rather than just being like, here's our killer of the week, which is how criminal minds always comes across so definitely very neat and tidy as well where it's like you have the whole you know which is the point that's you like the format but I agree I think it's it's important to maybe give these things a little bit more to like focus um because we're like in a vibe I guess with these books I'll go on to my next pick um which is The Violence by Delilah S. Dawson this comes out February 1st Um, this might be a little too close to home in that there's, it's like a near future sci-fi thriller, um, where a pandemic-y type of illness grips the nation, and it's called the violence, um, which it causes, like, explosive, sudden outbursts of rage, and an attack, you sort of attack anyone in your path, so usually, Um, somebody ends up dead if one of these outbursts occurs. Um, And there are like remote locations that have not experienced, you know, the violence. You can pay obscene amounts of money for a vaccine. Um, And so that's kind of the state of the world right now where we meet the main character, Chelsea. She um, is your sort of idyllic wife. She greets her husband at the door when he comes home from work with a nice chilled beer and dinner on the table. Um, but of course, not all is as it seems. Um, she does a lot of that careful navigation so that she doesn't upset her husband, um, David, and his stormy moods. She doesn't want to cause anything to disrupt him. Um, or cause any sort of catastrophe. Um, she wants to protect herself from his moods and her daughter. And ironically, when this violence sort of takes the nation, um, she's presented with an opportunity to maybe get out from under her husband and his stormy moods. Um, and so she maybe 
calls in um, that her husband is suspected of having the violence. Um, and the story kind of goes from there. It follows, you know, her, her daughter, um, her mother is also in the picture. Um, so you have the sort of three generations of women. They're navigating this like sort of sci-fi pandemic type of thing um, and trying to get out from under her husband. It just sounds like a really interesting take on things that maybe are a little <laughs> close to home right now, um, given current events, but um, it's just really well done. It is, I think, a pretty anticipated crime read for 2022. Again, I promise I won't say this for every book, but the cover is very striking. It's bright red and there, like there's a giant knife on it. Um, and so it certainly catches your attention and it did mine. And I was like, whoa, what is this even about? Um, the title is also like quite vague because I think many, many things could be considered, you know, a violence. So um, because I guess we're just in this mood, uh, that's my next pick, The Violence by Delilah Dawson out February 1st. I love Delilah Dawson, so. It's going to be a good one. And apparently we just like, we're starting off real strong with like a little bit of a dark pick, but I promise we've got some levity. (laughs) You know, I'm going to, I'm going to throw some levity in here. I'm going to mix it up. Uh, Mine is next one is, is nonfiction. It is the nineties by Chuck Klosterman. (laughs) I love that you both are fist pumping. You're very excited about this. Um, I just want it. You like the (laughs) I know. I know. Um, Speaking of covers, there's like, it's just, if you've seen Chuck Klosterman's books, they're very similar. They're just like white with black, very thick font, clear phones, clear plastic phones that were iconic in the 90s. Um, So, uh, yeah. I, I say I'm a child of the eighties, a teenager of the nineties. Um, I turned 40 last year. And so like the nineties were like that fundamental, like middle school, high school time of my life. And so Chuck is just sort of like in that way that he does going into all of the things that were the nineties. <laughs> um, so the first description or first line is it was long ago, but not as long as it seems the Berlin wall fell and the twin towers collapsed. In between, one presidential election was allegedly decided by Ross Perot, while another was plausibly decided by Ralph Nader. In the beginning, almost every name and address was listed in the phone book, and everyone answered their landlines because you didn't know who it was. By the end, exposing someone's address was an act of violence, and nobody picked up their new cell phone if they didn't know who it was. The 90s brought about a revolution in the human condition we're still groping to understand, which sounds about right. I mean, there's like so much that happened in the 90s that is just, and it spans such like, in fact, there was like Berlin Wall to 9-11 is all within that decade and everything that happened in between is just incredible. So I'm that super hit me excited. the hardest. Me that too. Like... <laughs> like the 90s was 10 minutes ago, was it not? Like... Right. I'm sorry when people are like, and this is knowing my age, I was born in 1990. So we're, you do the math um, and you're like, oh, it was 30 years ago. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. No, it was not. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you, Emma. I was born in 92 and the clear plastic phone got me immediately when I saw this and I was just like, well, I wanted one of those and I want to read this book. And I also refuse to believe that anything it, of the 90s was 30 years ago but I'll grapple with that in November 
you guys are babies. No. I did not realize you were babies. <laughs> Only 10 years, right. Joe. Hey, I'm a grown adult with my own child, but no, it's, it's, uh, I have a dog. I, I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like the nineties could possibly have been that long ago. Sure were though. I, I sure were. refuse to believe it. It doesn't make any sense. And that's so much happened like technologically. And I, I do think like people born eighties, nineties, I think we got a nice like taste of both. You yes. know, Cause like we didn't have cell phones immediately, but we grew up with technology. I think it's like a weird, it is a weird place to be in, but I'm, I'm almost relieved that we didn't have some of these things when we were, when we were young. <laughs> For sure. And if you wanted to call a friend on your cell phone, you had to wait until like, if you were lucky after 7 p.m., but most likely after nine, like just the, the lot. Right. The minutes. A text message was literal murder to commit against a friend. Yep. Oh, the cost. And you had to I know just... people's phone numbers. Yes. You had to know them because you didn't just have it like saved. Didn't you had live to anywhere. dial. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I now we sound old, Emma. <laughs> we do sound old. That, but I'm at the 90s is the topic of like, I, I feel, know. I feel old that the 90s is the topic of a Chuck Klosterman book. Yes. Yeah. I know. So I, yeah, yes. we're going to have to grapple with that. <laughs> Agreed. 100%. Yeah, think about it with like with maps too, right? So like nowadays we just pull it up on your phone and there's like a million maps. Before that, you were printing out map directions. You literally would print And before out. that, you had to actually have a map. Not the road atlas. No thank Which, you. <laughs> you didn't have an actual road atlas map in your car. You were too bad. You weren't going anywhere uh, that you didn't know how directions. to get to. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, the nineties. Yes. Chuck Klosterman is, is writing about the nineties folks. So so rude. So rude. <laughs> I'm excited for it, but yeah, I'm also like, I can't cope. <laughs> to quote Jill in a much earlier session, I'm going to have to export that one to my therapist uh, when I get around to read again. So my next title, I'm going to keep with the vein of levity here. This is the verifiers by Jane Peck. Also one of those two, 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 two dates. It's the February 22nd date. This is an LGBTQIA plus mystery lit title. So we're introducing our character, Claudia Lynn, a sharp-witted amateur sleuth for the 21st century. In this debut novel, it's introducing Claudia Lynn, a sharp-witted amateur sleuth for the 21st century. So in Peck's debut novel, it follows Claudia as she verifies people's online lives and lives for a dating detective agency in New York City until a client with an unusual request goes missing. So Claudia is, uh, you know, kind of used to disregarding her family's model minority expectations. She has no interest in finding either a conventional career or a nice Chinese boy. She's also used to keeping secrets from them, such as she prefers girls, and that she's just been stealth recruited by Vericity, a referrals-only online dating detective agency. So as a, a lifelong mystery reader who wrote her senior thesis on Jane Austen, Claudia believes she's landed her perfect job. But when that client vanishes, she breaks protocol to investigate and uncovers a maelstrom of personal and corporate deceit. Part literary mystery, part family story, 
The Verifiers is a clever and incisive examination of how technology is shaping our lives, perfect from just talking about the 90s, and the nature of romantic love in the digital age. Sounds good. You, you describe it so well. Like, which I know <laughs> is you. the point, but you did such a good job. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm just sitting here adding all of the books you guys are recommending to my to be red pile, which is already extremely long. That that is the one flaw in the monthly book picks. Yeah, I'm episode. just that... I'm just pouring one out for my TBR. <laughs> yeah, TBRs get very very long, both among readers and podcast co-hosts. <laughs> I, I try to be picky, like no, okay, that's not for me. But literally every book you've described have been like, okay, adding. Which hopefully this next pick you guys will add to your never-ending list of books. Um, my next pick is called, it seems very fitting of a title for today's current vibe. It's called My Mess is a Bit of a Life, um, Adventures in Anxiety by Georgia Pritchett. This book comes out February 8th, 2022. And Georgia Pritchett is a British comedy writer. Um, so she's written for um, TV shows like Veep, and she's currently one of the writers of Succession. So if you're a Succession fan, um, you'll know her work. Um, but what I like about this book is it started when Georgia kind of found herself at a loss for words. She didn't know how to express herself. She turned to a therapist, and the therapist suggested that she write down things that worry her. Um, and so instead of writing like a list of concerns, she wrote this book. Um, and so she's described as a natural born worry wart. Um, and her life has just been peppered with um, sort of her quirky brand of anxiety. And so this book has sort of like really nice vignettes and anecdotes about her life and growing up with anxiety and touches on um a lot of, I think, pretty deep issues that she's experienced through her life. Um, she touches on anxiety in her early childhood. Um, you know, there's a scare with her husband, her son's autism diagnosis. Um, there is mention of miscarriage and fertility struggles and things like that. But she writes about sort of all the challenges and anxieties of life in, I think, what is an honest and offbeat way. I mean, as a British comedy writer, I feel like there is that certain brand of, of humor that they use um, a lot of the time to describe these moments. Um, but it's just like a nice slice of life um, from somebody that's, I think, a very talented writer um, and may not, might not be a name that you're familiar with. But if you've seen Veep or Succession, then you're certainly familiar with her work. Um, and it honestly just like felt so relevant to me when I saw this book um the cover again I, I promise I won't say this every time um but it's like a juice box and um I have a toddler and everything's just been a little bit of a mess right now so admittedly um the cover did catch my eye as well as the title um and then you kind of get sucked into the content and you go yep this this sounds like I can relate. Um, also, the pull quote on the cover is by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. So um, that's a good pull quote to have as well. Um, but again, the title is My Mess is a Bit of a Life. It's by Georgia Pritchett, and it comes out um, February 8th. It's a good title. It really is. That's a solid, solid title. 
relatable title. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, dang it. If I write a book about my life, I need to like trademark a good title. <laughs> it's a good title. It's a good one. I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling, especially now. Yes. Um, you know, that things are a little bit messy. Sure are. Sure are. Um, my next one is got to throw some romance in there. Of course, this is Delilah Green doesn't care by Ashley Herring Blake. I'm <laughs> more cheering. Good stuff. Good stuff. Sorry, people can't this see. Is, I'm waving my arms That's in the okay. air. That's okay. This is a clever and steamy queer romantic comedy. We're all about that. We love it. So Delilah Green swore she would never go back to Bright Falls. Nothing is there for her but memories of a lonely childhood where she was little more than a burden to her cold and distant stepfamily. Her life in, is in New York where her photography career is finally gaining steam and her bed is never empty. Sure, it's a different woman every night, but that's just fine with her. When Delilah's estranged stepsister Astrid pressures her, pressures her into bat- photographing her wedding, uh, with a guilt trip and a five-figure check, Delilah finds herself back in the godforsaken town that she used to call home. She plans to breeze in and out, but then she sees Claire Sutherland, one of Astrid's stuck-up besties, and decides that maybe there's some fun and a little retribution to be had in Bright Falls. Claire, meanwhile, has raised her 11-year-old daughter mostly on her own while dealing with her unreliable ex, and she runs a bookstore. And she depends upon a life without surprises. And Delilah Green is a welcome is an unwelcome surprise at first. Though they've known each other for years, they don't really know each other. So Claire is unsettled when Delilah figures out exactly what buttons to push. When they're forced together during a gauntlet of wedding preparations, including a plot to save Astrid from her horrible fiance, Claire isn't sure she has the strength to resist Delilah's charms. Even worse, she's starting to think she doesn't want to. <laughs> okay. So there is so much delight to unpack in this. There's so much. We love, we love sapphic romances. This, okay, again, the cover thing. Okay, so it's illustrated cover, which, you know, their feelings about illustrated covers. This one though, you like know these characters right from the stretch. You have Delilah, who's in like all black. She's tatted up, holding her camera. Then you have Claire, who's looking pretty curvy. I'm like, there, how do you, there's, there is nothing I don't love about this. We got a small town. We just got someone who's left and comes back. I mean. The cover got me immediately when right? I, when I was looking earlier, it's like, oh yeah, absolutely. This looks fun. Yeah. And... They're like holding hands, but kind of looking away from each other, but kind of looking to, I mean, yes. you look at that cover, you're like, oh, I know exactly what this book is going to be. And it's going to be delightful. I love the return to small town and what starts is, oh, I'm, I'm just going to take a little bit back in, in pain and uh oh, what happened? Right. Oh yeah. You're like, no, it's fine. I'm just going to be here for a little bit of a minute. Just be here for a weekend. I've never seen a Hallmark movie. (laughs) Yeah. You like, yeah. Return to small town. Check. Clever. Check. Steamy. Check. You mentioned a bookstore. Like, okay, we're sold. Like, how many great things do you need to pack into one book? Right? It's just oh, so good. I'm so looking forward to this one. Uh, and I think, oh, see, it's another one of those February 22nd books. So, a two 22-22 date. As everything. I mean, it's a cool date to have a book come out. It, I know it is. It is. 100%. But yes, there are a lot of releases on the 22nd. <laughs> There are so many of them. 
So I am going to give us a different release date this time. And I'm going to take us back to our feelings of murder from earlier. Here is The Cage by Bonnie Kissler. So it's coming out on February 15th. And this is a recommendation directly for my sister. Hi, Sharon. We both love a suspense thriller. And I'm hoping this office space is going to give us that drama. So it's kind of described as the narrative drive of the firm with the psychological complexity of the silent patient. That's kind of like the vibe, but it's an original thriller about two professional women, colleagues at an international fashion conglomerate who enter an elevator together, but only one is alive when they reach the ground floor. So on just kind of a misty Sunday night, they're in the fashion office working late. And uh, one is the company's human resources director, who's, you know, perfectly dressed and coiffed. And the other is one of the company's lawyers, and she is buried under a pile of paperwork, frantically rushing to finish, leaving at the same time the two women each occupy their own thoughts and the same elevator. And that will take them down from the 30th floor. When they arrive at the lobby, one of the women is dead. Was it murder or was it suicide? So an incredibly original novel that turns the office thriller on its head. The Cage is a wild ride that begins with a bang and picks up speed as it races to a dramatic end. I figured dun, why dun, not. Dun. <laughs> yes. You piece my interest also like elevators i am not a fan of so that sounds like my worst nightmare (laughs) and also we're getting another version of a locked door mystery so but yeah no an elevator terrifying place to have anything happen i'm like it just gave me the chills but that sounds that sounds like the perfect wintry thriller as well yes i'm like not related to that at all I can tell you my next pick. (laughs) Oh, so one of my favorite things to come out of 2021 was Allie Hazelwood. Uh, She wrote The Love Hypothesis. If you haven't read that, do it. What are you waiting for? It's so good. Um, And in 2022, we have a plethora of things from her to look forward to. The first of which is a novella. Um, because she has three novellas that follow three friends, and we'll get them in rapid succession over the next few months. The first one to come out is Under One Roof, and it's audio only at first. So the audiobook comes out February 8th. The ebook will be out uh, later this year in May, um, and it looks like the audio will be released first for all these novellas and then the ebook to follow. Um, so the first one, follows Mara. Um, there's three, um, I love they're called STEMinist novellas. Um, so we have w- women in STEM and um, they follow Mara, Sadie, and Hannah who are friends first and scientists always. And so Under One Roof follows Mara. Um, she again, like I love this. It's got all the romance tropes. Um, she's under the same roof as her annoying, um, you know, big oil lawyer roommate, Liam. I don't really know if I have to say much more um, if you know romance tropes, Um, but the problem that Mara seems to experience as she lives and works around Liam um, is that the more she gets to know him, the harder it is to loathe him. Um, 
<laughs> so this, I'm so excited. Um, this book will follow the first group, first girl from the friend group, Mara. Um, and her writing is witty and funny and steamy. And we love a good um, women, woman in science romance, um, just because I think it's not something I've seen a ton of. And to be quite honest with you, when I picked up the love hypothesis, I was like, oh, okay, sciencey people. I'm obviously not a scientist or even remotely good at math, science, whatever. Um, but she writes about it in a way where the science is accessible. I think it's still 100% like accurate and she doesn't dumb it down for anybody. Um, but she just puts, you know, these real people into the context of their scientific jobs. Um, and I personally, as someone who does not do any of that, you know, I work with libraries and we work with books and all these other things. Um, it was interesting to learn about something in a romance novel. Um, so yes, I'm excited for everything that Allie Hazelwood has to offer. And that first book um, comes out audio first, um, February, what did I say, 8th. Um, and it's called Under One Roof. Uh, I'm excited. In case you I, couldn't tell. <laughs> all about those close proximity stuck in, yeah, the Under I One mean, Roof. I didn't even place. describe the book, but like, that's all you need to know is there's like two people that loathe each other under one roof. And I mean, yeah. And I, I'll say it too many times always throughout the podcast, but representation matters. I love that we can still see representation happening in a romance title. Just like you said, you get to learn something. We're also showing the importance of women in STEM and embracing, you know, every opportunity. 100%. 100%. I like because uh, everybody needs romance, yo. So great. everyone needs a book about them to reflect i am we're just okay jill <laughs> <laughs> um well now for something completely different um my next book is uh it okay the title is a little not quite safe for work but a little not safe for work it's tired as f we'll just say that by caroline uh Duner. um burnout at the hands of diet self-help and hustle culture carolyn um is the author of the Effit Diet, and she runs a very popular um, Instagram account where very similar things about um, sort of breaking away from diet culture, which I am all about. And this is about, you know, as the subtitle said, burnout um, at the hands of diet culture, but also just self help and sort of the dark side of help, self help. And um, she, did one of those like rest periods where she's just like, I'm not doing nothing. I'm just going to like, you know, um, and, and writes about that and hustle culture. And it's, it's a lot. I love her personality on Instagram. I followed her for a long time. Um, her writing is fun and she always backs all of her stuff up with data and science. And, um, this comes out February 8th, so I don't have to wait too long for it. So I'm, I'm very excited. It's, it's actually spelled tired as F, um, a little asterisk C K. So, you know, when you are searching for it, that would be how you find it. Um, but I'm all about this one. That one's also on my list. I'm super excited to read that because we need all the positivity backed by real proof that we can get. And yeah, her personality online is just so, so fun to embrace and like be around. 
I saw that title and I was like, yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. She, she, yeah. I feel it. I feel, feel that. It. Can relate. Feel it for sure. Feel it for sure. So good times. Without a doubt. So another book you don't have to wait too long for coming out on February 1st is A Lullaby for Witches by Hester Fox. So once there was a young woman from a well-to-do New England family who never quite fit with the particular roles of her family, you know, she didn't belong in the drawing rooms or the parlors, uh, but instead she is called into the tangled woods and wild cliffs surrounding her family's estate. Margaret Harlow grew both stranger and more beautiful as she cultivated her uncanny power. Soon whispers of witch dogged her footsteps and her power began to grow uh, and wind itself into tendrils of something darker. So 150 years later, Augusta Potos takes a dream job at the Harlow House, the historic home of a wealthy New England family. Hmm, Sounds familiar. And has since been turned into a small museum. So when Augusta stumbles across an oblique reference to a daughter of the Harlows who has nearly been wiped off of the historical record, the mystery is too intriguing to ignore, so she has to dig in. As she digs deeper, something sinister unfurls from its sleep, a dark power that binds one woman to another across lines of blood and time. So if Augusta can't resist its allure, everything she knows and loves, including her very life, could be lost forever. This takes place in Massachusetts, which, if you know me, is one of my most favorite places to visit and hang around. And the ideas of a creepy witchy castle on the New England coastline to me is just like, sign me up. Where do I go? <laughs> we got witches. We got blood curses. We got, we got it all. We got it all. All right, Emma, what is your last book then for us? All right, my last pick. Is called, it sounds a little grim, but it's not. I'm just, it's Foreverland on the Divine Tedium of Marriage uh, by Heather Haverleski. This book is out February 8th. And I'm just going to read the description to you because I can't do a better job of describing this book. Um, So if falling in love is the peak of human experience, then marriage is the slow descent down that mountain on a trail built from conflict, compromise, and nagging doubts. Considering the limited economic advantage of marriage, the deluge of other mate options a swipe away, and the fact that almost half of all marriages in the United States end in divorce anyways, why do so many of us still chain ourselves to one human for the rest of life? (laughs) Um, In Foreverland, Heather illustrates the delights, aggravations, and sublime calamities of her marriage over the span of 15 years, charting an unpredictable course from meeting her one true love to slowly learning just how much energy is required to keep that love aflame. This refreshingly honest portrait of a marriage reveals that our relationships are not simply happy or unhappy, but something much murkier, at once unsavory, taxing, and deeply satisfying. With tales of fumbled proposals, harrowing suburban migrations, external temptations, and the bewildering insults of growing older, Foreverland is a work of rare candor and insight. Um, And I just think this sounds fascinating. And um, living with a spouse during a pandemic has been fun. Um, But I think it's important, and this book kind of ticked all those boxes for me to realize that 
Um, as much as I love a romance novel and all of those like, you know, immediate like giggly feeling you get at meeting someone and all of the excitement and the steam um, is that sometimes you can read romance novels and go like, hmm, that's not like my real life. Um, you know, because I've been with my, my husband for uh, about 10 years now. And so this book I just thought was really interesting in that um, all of these different ways that you can have your relationship, um, it doesn't have to be so clear cut. You're not happy or unhappy. Um, you know, if you've been in a relationship for a long time, it's going to be a very different picture than if you've just met somebody. And I just thought that was like a refreshing take, even though I know that that's not new. Um, it just seems like in the age of social media, when everything is perfect and everyone is madly in love and super happy, um, that there, there needs to be a little bit more, I think, reality um, to that. And so I've just thought that the, the subtitle of this, on the divine tedium of marriage, I thought that was pretty spot on because you have divine and tedium uh, right in stark contrast. Um, where I think that there is a lot of joy to be had in marriage, but that it's not always exciting. Um, and so this book, I think, will be an interesting addition to that conversation um, just about marriage um, and what it might be like in 2022. So I had a wide range of picks this month. So I'd like to keep you guessing. It can't all be romance, although it mostly will be. Yeah, yeah, we, we we are okay with a lot of romance. No, that um that reminds me of if, I'm not gonna do any spoilers, I'll keep the spoiler free, but from the most recent episode of well, from last week's by the time it's airs, um, and just like that, there's a whole conversation between two characters about marriage and yeah, one person and like yep, yes, I'll just leave it at that. Um, and one person's like, No, this is I'm okay with this, and the other person's not, but we're just going to leave that there because uh, I could go on a whole rant and I won't. Anyway, okay, we'll talk about that <laughs> offline. I have so many thoughts and feelings. It could be a that. whole thing. <laughs> it could be a whole thing. We're not going to do that though. No, we don't have time for that. But it's clearly part of a larger conversation. I think about what, what you expect out of marriage and what you mm-hmm. expect out of a relationship mm-hmm. and that that may change. Yeah. I'm really excited to read this one. It, I, I want the, as the like terminally single one on the podcast, I really appreciate the perspective and kind of seeing the struggle side to side. I actually just saw an article somewhere online of like top complaints seen from people and the idea of, well, someone new is just a swipe away being like this new world temptation as I'm sitting here out in these streets saying it, it, the grass isn't any greener over here. Swiping is no fun, folks. But yeah. I, I really appreciate that perspective and kind of the chance to see what I could be getting into. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, shout out to my husband. Love shout you. Out to, <laughs> yeah, shout out to Emma's husband. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so my last one is The New Girl by Jesse Q. Sutanto. Um, so this is about Leah. Leah has never really fit in. And when she wins a full ride to the prestigious Draycott Academy on a track scholarship, she's determined to make it work, even though she's never felt more out of place. But on the, her first day there, she witnesses a girl being forcefully carried away by campus security. Her new, her new schoolmates and teachers seem unfazed, but it leaves her unsure of what she's gotten herself into. Uh, 
Yeah, I would think so. And as she uncovers the secrets of Draycott, complete with a corrupt teacher, a golden boy who isn't what he seems, and a blackmailer determined to get her thrown out, she's not sure if she can trust anyone, especially when the threats against her take a deadly turn. As longtime podcast listeners know, my absolute favorite genre of book is, um, well, this doesn't mention dead bodies, but like murder or mystery on an educational campus involving a close-knit group of suspicious characters, which this fits right into. So um, yes, please. All of it. I I have read Jessie Q. Sutanto, um, her, this is a young adult. Um, I've read her adult books um, or uh, the a, a is for auntie um and it was so fun and delightful and so i'm excited to read her her ya i know she's written ya for a while um so good times i can't wait all the boxes. to read this yeah i love i love like a boarding school like college campus mystery friend group everything's chaos yes Agreed. and this sounds like it might be a little bit campy as well which i also really like in this i'm okay with that I'm okay with that. Never mad at some camp. <laughs> right? All the camp. All the camp. All right. My final book. I have a sci-fi thriller coming out, shocker, on February 22nd. This is The Paradox Hotel by Rob Hart. So January Cole's job just got a whole lot harder. Uh, not that running security at the Paradox Hotel was ever really easy. So it's it's not simple because it's... Not just that like ultra wealthy tourists are arriving day, like day in and day out. They're coming in day in and day out from different time periods. And they're all eagerly awaiting to catch their flights. I guess I'll put quotes on that to the past or where proximity to the time port makes the clocks run backward on occasion. That's right. There is time travel in this hotel. So guests are coming from all different times. They are using it because there's this time porter there to go to different times. So you're like planning a triple vacation at once. You're going to a hotel, but once you're at the hotel, you're going somewhere else. So, you know, not only is the machine making the clocks run backwards, like I just said, rumor also has it that it allows ghosts to be strolling through the halls. So Zach Bagans, look out, you might see him there. None of that compares, however, to the corpse in room 526. It seems to be both there and not there simultaneously. And only January, this security person can see it. On top of that, some very important guests have just checked in. Um, Shocker, the U.S. government is trying to privatize time travel technology. And even in the fictional world, we're not safe. So, So the world's most powerful people are on hand trying to stake their claims here. January is sure that this timing isn't coincidence. And neither are those accidents that are stalking the bidders trying to take over this time tech. There's a reason January can see things that others can't. She's here to kind of save the day. So she's the only one who can catch a killer who's operating invisibly and in plain sight at the same time. But her ability is also destroying her grip on reality and her own past, present, and future collide. So she's finding herself not only confronting the hotel's dark secrets, the bidder's dark secrets, but her own. 
So all at once, it's kind of a dazzling, time-twisting murder mystery and a story about grief, memory, and what it means to literally come face-to-face with our own ghosts. So the Paradox Hotel feeling to me from what I've previewed and and read from early access uh, that it's going to be unforgettable, but also just like a thrill ride. So that's my last one. Okay, with that, we're done. I know. I'm like, I am so glad. I'm so glad you went last because I cannot stop that. Okay, we're out. Bye. Yeah, right. See ya. Both of your faces while I was describing this. (laughs) Jill just kept getting closer to the mic, like holding on for dear life. Emma's looking around, like, what's happening next? I'm going. I know. And we're done. And that's that. I mean, like, you had me at, like, you know, a hotel. Time time travel. travel. (laughs) Then you throw in a ghost. Sure. Uh Yeah. Great. Then there's a core. What? Like you uh-huh. just, you just kept going. You just kept going. I love to bury the lead and just drop little breadcrumb treats as I'm we aware. go. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know of all the worst. <laughs> Success. Here we go. And I mean, I, I I'm going to pull Emma here and say the cover got me to this one because it's just very striking. Um, I'm seeing now that I'm looking at it again, it's elevator buttons. Uh, but at my first, right, I know Jill's got it open. They both are like, I just what? looked at it and went, oh, it's- <laughs> right. Cause it to describe so it, sense. it's two triangles. One is the tip pointing up, the other tip pointing down and they're in circles and they've got that like static shift going across them. I'm like, Ooh, fun. What's this going to be about? And now that I'm thinking hotel time travel, warped dimensions, oh, it's an elevator. Uh, but yeah. I'm, I'm so excited for it. And I love when a, like a book jacket drags me into something that I wouldn't typically pick up. If I'm, if I'm strolling through the shelves, I'm not usually the first one to go for a sci-fi title. So I, I love any, any wreck. This is why this is so fun. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Um, That's a lot well, of books for February. <laughs> Yeah, and most of them come out the same day. <laughs> they do, I know. Sorry, listeners. Don't blame us, though. It's publishing's fault. Place your holds now. Use that suspend del- or deliver later feature if you're doing it exactly. on Libby. There you go. There you go. Well, um, yeah, we got lots of books for all of our listeners. Lots of books for ourselves, too, to add to our mm-hmm. own TBRs. So thanks, friends, for sharing your book titles. And, Thank you. Uh, See you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Bye. (laughs) Happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Jill Grunenwald and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, Next Best Picture. 
Bet.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. 